0: Welcome, everybody, to the Aaron's High Cap Adventure Radio Program. Once again, I have an action-packed show for you, and there's a lot of things going on. Give me an email at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com or go directly to the website aaronsgunshop.com. Check out the Facebook page, like us on Facebook, scan through it, you get an idea of what's coming up on the show. Speaking of which, let me give you show highlights before we go any further, and so you can get your note-taking materials ready. Today, instead of reading three stories of self-defense, I'm going to play for you two or three more 911 calls. However, these are unlike last week's 911 calls. These are calls that you don't ever want to make. Trust me, after you listen to these, you're not going to want to be the person making these calls. In my License to Carry Attorney segment brought to you by Capolino dodd krebs Law Firm, we will discuss what it means to be a sentinel using penal code 9.33. It should prove to be very interesting. And during the topic of interest segment, I'll tell you what's happening at Aaron's and how you become involved with it. Also, if time permits, I'll tell you my suggestions on the best place to conceal a handgun on your person. My special guest today will be Jared Campbell, the co-founder of Campbell's Canine Academy. Jared and his wife train service dogs and pairs them up with veterans uh, with disabl- with disabilities such as PTSD. Now, Jared will tell us what he does, why he does it, and how it helps our veterans in need. So, with time running short, let's get started. And we're going to start off, Trey, with our 911 calls. This is really, this is the NRA segment. I throw a whole bunch of different stuff in here. But, Trey, let's play, what are we doing, the long one first? We're gonna do we're gonna do the Burger King one first. This is somebody you don't want to be making a nine one one call. Go ahead, Trey. Trey, How can I help you?
1: Yeah, I'm over here. I'm over here at Burger King right here in San Clemente. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not San Clemente. I'm sorry. Um, I live in San Clemente. I'm in Laguna Niguel, I think. That's where I'm at. Uh-huh. I'm at a drive through right now. Uh-huh. I have, I ordered my food three times. They're mopping the floor inside, and I understand they're busy. They're not even busy. Okay, I've been the only car here. I asked the four different times to make me a Western Barbecue Burger. Okay, they keep giving me a hamburger with lettuce, tomato, and cheese, onions. And I said, I'm not leaving. Uh-huh. I want a Western burger because I just got my kids from Taipan Doll. They're hungry. I'm on my way home, and I live in San Clemente. Uh-huh. Okay, she, said, she gave me another hamburger. It's wrong. I said, four times. I said, I want it. She goes, can you go out and park in front? And I said, no, I want my hamburger right. So then the, the lady came to the manager, she, or whatever, whoever she is. She came up, and she said, um, she said um, do you want your money back? And I said, no, I want my hamburger. My kids are hungry, and I have to jump on the toll freeway. I said, I am not leaving the spot, and I said, I will call the police, because I want my Western burger done right. Now, is that so hard? Okay, what exactly is it you want us to do for you? I send the officers down here. I want, I want them to make me the Ma- right... Ma'am, we're not going to go down there and enforce your Western bacon cheeseburger. What am I supposed to do? This is, this is between you and the manager. This, we're not going to go enforce how to make a hamburger. That's, wow, that's not a criminal issue. There's, there's, there's nothing criminal. So I just there. Stand here. So I just sit here. You mops. you need to calmly and rationally speak to the manager and figure out what to do between you. You did come up and I said, Can I please have my Western burger? She she said, I'm not dealing with it. she walked away. Cause, because they're mopping the floor and it's all full of and they don't want to run they don't want to go through there and and, and and ma'am, then I suggest you get your money back and go somewhere else. This 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 is this is not a criminal issue. We can't go out there and, and make them make you a cheeseburger the way you want it. Well, that is, that, you're supposed to be here to protect me. Well, what are we protecting you from? A wrong cheeseburger? No, it's is just a, this like, is this a harmful cheeseburger or something? I don't understand what you want us to do. Well, just come down here. I'm, I'm not leaving. No, ma'am. I'm not sitting the deputies down there over a cheeseburger. You need to go in there and act like an adult and either get your I money back and go home. I'm acting like an adult herself. I'm sitting here in my car. I just want them to make my kids uh, uh Westenberg fan, yeah, this is what I suggest. I suggest you get your money
0: back from the manager and you go on your way home. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to be that person, okay? Let's try one more time. Let's see if we can uh, have a more productive 911 call. Trey, why don't you hit that one next? I want to say
1: just emergency. Hi, um, I'm at the corner of Pleasant Hill and John Young Parkway. I'm in a Walgreens parking lot, and my car will not start. I'm locked inside my car. I cannot open my car. I can't get the windows down. Nothing electrical works, and it's, it's getting very hot in here. And, I, and I'm I'm not feeling well. I, I need some help. Just, just, are you able to pull the lock up on the door and open the door? You should be able to just pull the lock up, even if it's electrical. I've tried. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. I got that going. Okay. So are you able to get out of the car now? Yes, yeah, I got the door open. Okay. All right.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get triple A or something. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. All right. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I breathe a heavy sigh. <laughs> it's like, really? I just threw that in there for a little bit of levity, okay? Now, let me go to my opinion piece. Let's go real fast. I'm running out of time. This week's opinion piece, I give you an opinion piece almost every week. This one's called Being a Sentinel. Ladies and gentlemen, being a sentinel, what is that? What is a sentinel? That's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. The definition for sentinel from Vocabulary.com is a sentinel is a guard, a lookout, a person keeping watch. It's often a soldier, but not always. If you're watching a pot waiting for it to boil, you're standing sentinel over it. And incidentally, it won't boil until you leave. That was a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, our country is in danger. The pillars of honor, decency, and respect are being chipped away to a precarious point. The scale can tip at any moment for our society as we know it to be turned on its head. We need sentinels. And I'm not talking about mall cops either. I'm talking about people who truly understand this country's predicament and who are knowledgeable and learned in the aspects of awareness and preparedness. I'm not talking about, or do I want, some wannabe whose only hopes of being something in their own mind is carrying a gun and a security badge. I want you. The well-informed, properly trained, seriously concerned American citizen. Emphasis on American. True Americans. There are many of you. However, many of those many are asleep. Wake up. We need you more now than ever. The media in this country is one of our main enemies. The family unit is being destroyed. This country is being infiltrated by people who have no desire to assimilate to our way of life. They want to bring their jacked up ways here. Well, to all you who want to do that, I say, F you, in the words of Attorney Ross and Ross Watson. I say, F you with a capital F. This sentinel ain't going to let you do it. That's why I'm on the freaking radio. I'm doing what I can to help stop it. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing? If you're just listening to and not doing anything, that does nothing for the common good. You must get engaged. You must participate. If you are contrary to our way of life, I will fight you. If you are favorable to our way of life, I will support and protect to the best of my abilities. We must all stand watch together. I watch your back. You watch mine. But I'm telling you straight up, don't be playing games. If you ever have to cover my six, I better be able to depend on you. You better know what you're doing you would expect nothing less from me. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about, uh, did I really write this? <laughs> we'll skip that. Ladies and gentlemen, will you join me? Will you be sentinels for our country and each other? Or will it be business as usual and say, uh, well, until it affects me, I'll stay on my couch and watch TV. Your country and way of life is calling. Hear the call. Now, I want to read to you a quick article I, I read here. This is about Al-Qaeda. And I'm running out of time. I want to get this one in. And maybe on the other side of the break, I'll read the other one. It says here, this This is from the Washington Times, Friday, August 11th. Al Qaeda is about to take on a new target, America's trains. In an upcoming edition of its terror magazine online called Inspire, issue number 17 is headlined Train Derail Operations and will spell out ways to create rail disasters in a transportation system that lacks the stiff security procedures of airline travel. Its competing Sunni extremist groups, the Islamic State, for more than a year have advocated using vehicles to mow down innocents. Its murderous followers have weaponized vehicles in Nice, Berlin, London, and now here in the States. Adding trains to the terrorist priority list would put a risky would put at risk virtually every mode of transportation and placed added pressure on the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The Middle East Media Research Institute, Memory, put out a report on Friday saying Al-Qaeda has teased the Inspire articles with a trailer appearing on the Telegram app channels operated by its fans. The trailer highlights the the derailments are simple to design using easily available materials that such a planned attack can be hard to detect and that the outcome could substantially damage a country's transportation sector and the Western economy in general. We need sentinels. We need to watch for people like this and take them down when it's necessary. We'll be back on the other side. Welcome back everybody to the Aaron's High Cap Adventure Radio Program. Again, it's August 19th. We're having some great conversation on the other on this side of the, the microphone. Getting a little testy and heated here. (laughs) Mostly, it's me. All right. Well, Super Attorney Rick Dodd just asked me, where's the best place to carry a gun? And, you know, Rick, it all depends. It all depends on who you are, how you dress, where you're going, what you're doing, what kind of gun you got. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, the best place, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's not a humble opinion, it's fact. The best place to carry a handgun is in your waistband, right there by your belly button, or in in the front. And depending if you're a left-handed shooter or a right-handed shooter, I'm a left-handed shooter, so I'm going to offset the weapon in my pants to the right side of the package, okay? And the handle (laughs) is going to face my stomach. If you're a right-handed shooter, it's going to be the other way because you don't want the handle sticking out and it prints. And the other nice thing about it is I have total control over the weapon. And the other nice thing is as soon as it comes out of leather, the second hand is on it and the gun comes directly out to the 12 o'clock position because that's where your threat should be, is your 12 o'clock position. So it's just a clean, straight shot. The second best place is on your hip. Because if it's on your hip with a left or right hand and it comes out, it's immediately coming up onto the target, which is at the 12 o'clock position. People ask me, what about your back? Do you put it on your back? I say, well, I'm not too keen on the back. And I've got a video of this, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to the YouTube channel, Aaron's Gun Shop YouTube channel, and look at the best places to carry a gun, you'll see an actual video of what's going on. But if you put a holster on your back to carry a gun, And you have the gun in your hand and your knuckles drag your back as the gun goes in the holster. Well, when you take that weapon out, it's going to sweep your body. So it's coming across before you get it on your target. You could accidentally shoot yourself because it's sweeping your body. If you put the gun in your holster in your back with your palm against your back and the weapon comes out, you're going to do a slight sweeping motion before the weapon gets on target. When you do that slight sweeping motion, whatever in the sweep area has a potential of getting shot if you're excited, you screw up, or whatever. That's why I say the one in the front or the side is the best because it's immediately coming up onto your 12 o'clock position, which is the threat which is in front of you. So, Matt, I'm assuming uh, not only the fun that you have at these simulations, but, but you know, here on the radio, uh, we're not able to see. What you're doing i'm assuming that at these uh simulations at this training that you go through all that and let the uh, student also do the same. Absolutely. The, the the first thing that's important is what do you do? How do you dress? So that's going to determine really what's feasible to carry. Like for example, some women wear maybe skirts or some type of slacks that may not have belts. So you're not going to be able to carry a weapon in there. They may be better off with an ankle rig or maybe a smaller size gun that attaches to their bra or if they have a loose fitting shirt shirt and they've got a belly band. Or the purse. I really don't like the purse because it's very detachable. Somebody can take your purse, and if they take your purse, then you don't have your gun. So it all depends on on how your dress will determine my best answer for you as the kind of um, holster to wear. But if it's a generality, It would be on your waistband, right there in front, or on your side. Now, a shoulder rig has got the same problem. I'm wearing a T-shirt here as a gag. It's got two 1911s on my shoulders. It's printed in the shirt. But the problem with that is if I'm bringing the gun out of my holster, it immediately starts to sweep before I get on the target. So down here in Texas being so hot, a shoulder rig is kind of difficult to do, and you have the potential to sweep, although it definitely has its applications. The ankle holster is great. It's just a little bit slower. So those are the basic places you can carry it. But my preference is, when at all possible, in your waistband or on your hip. What if you uh, have a preference to have it concealed? What would you be your recommendation? Same thing, only maybe different types of holsters. I'll give you. That's a good question. I just had somebody at the shop ask me that. He had a uh, Kydex holster. And the Kydex holster has no give, no play. It's a rigid, firm platform that sticks out approximately four to five inches from your hip bone, and the gun goes on it. So when you wear a T-shirt, no matter what, you're going to see this lopsided effect on your T-shirt. As compared to getting a different type of holster made out of leather, a smoother piece of leather that conforms closer to your body, it eliminates more so the print of the gun. So still on the hip and still in your waist, however, different types of holsters to make the appearance look trimmer. So, do they make Kevlar holsters? Okay, well, they, they may make Kevlar holsters, but why I don't know. Unless the guy had to be an extremely accurate shot aiming at your holster to protect you, but no, I don't think they'd do it. For well, I, I meant one that's uh, a little more flexible, even than leather. They've got all sorts of material. Leather's great because it's it'll mold really well. However, it retains moisture. Kydex is great because it's very firm, and you can do lots of things with it, like locking buttons, trigger guards, protective devices, retention holsters, which is very good. It's just It's not as concealable. Then they also have some other type of nylons. But the cheaper materials that you get and the more malleable they are, sometimes when you go to put your weapon back in your holster, the holster can start to curl in on itself. I like holsters a little bit more firm or rigid, so I can just go in and out with the holster with the weapon and not have to go thumbing around with it with my other hand. So These are great questions. Fantastic. Trey, how much time I got? All right. Well, look, everybody, if you like what you're hearing, uh, it only happens because I've got great sponsors. Rick's one of our sponsors and I can't thank him enough. So if you've got any type of troubles, you make sure to give him a call and all of our other sponsors too. And remember, if you've got sponsors selling products, don't look at their products and then go hunt them down online. That doesn't do anybody any good. It's the circle of life here. I do the show. They support the show. You support them. If we all help each other out, we continue on what we're doing and hopefully we can all learn something. I ain't the greatest at it. I try to give out what I believe is true and helpful and hopefully it's helping you. Spread the word, help each other out and uh, give us a call here at 254 697 6633 Give me an email at gunshop at gmail.com. Go to the website at aronsgunshop.com, become a subscriber to the YouTube channel at Aaron's Gunshop, and uh, like us on Facebook at Aaron'sgunshop.com. See you on the other side. everybody. The Aaron's high cap adventure radio program. And we are now on our product spotlight segment. And we've got a nice one here too. Uh, this product spotlight segment is brought to you by ANC firearms at a Heidenhammer, Heidenhammer. <laughs> say that five times fast. ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer, 254-983-4417. Arch Kuntz is the owner. You got Dennis, Clint, Mike out there. They're all doing a great job. Lots of guns, ammo, accessories, knives, reloading equipment. Give them a call. Check them out. We're going to be talking about the Springfield 3.8 XDM Compact. Nice, pretty-looking gun here. It's got a lot of uh, things going for it. We're gonna read. I'm going to read an article from GunsAndAmmo.com. I'm going to take... bits and pieces of it, give you an explanation of what it is. And if you're looking for a compact handgun, this one's in 40 caliber um, with a lot of rounds. This is a great option. So let me start with it right now. And this is from GunsAndAmmo.com. If you've been following, once again, this is uh, by Patrick Sweeney, but it was in 2011, okay, that he wrote this. If you've been following things, firearms related in the slightest, you know all about the Springfield XDM series. For those who aren't up to speed, here you go. The XDM is the latest of a polymer frame striker-fired pistols, and it corrects some earlier designs, both Springfields and those of competitors. First of all, the slide does not have the proportions of a shoebox. You've seen the other ones before. It's like a brick. That was me talking. It's an angled, geometric, aggressive-looking, and fully up to the task of handling any 9mm or 40 caliber load that comports with the same specs. The angled slide is both easier to pack comfortably and easier to work as the slide serrations grab back when you get a hold of them. It is accurate due to the match dimension chamber and bore and the snug but not excessively tight fit of barrel to slide. Fully hardened? The barrel is not going to wear to a sloppy fit with less than a lifetime's worth of ammo. Also, the barrel will not throw a hissy fit if you happen to use or load ammo containing lead bullets. The magazines hold more rounds than comparable polymer frame pistols, and the full-size XDM in 9mm holds 19 rounds in the magazine with 20th in the chamber. The 40 caliber version is 16 plus 1 in the chamber. In short, the XDM is everything you'd want in a polymer frame striker-fired pistol, and the shooting public has realized that. Make it smaller. How could Springfield possibly improve the XDM design? Well, one of the first things a firearm designer learns once its efforts have gone to the shooting public is that a lot of customers actually want something else. Make it a full-size 20-round duty pistol and that cries out of, make it smaller. We can't carry it all day. Make it as small as your design skills allow and you'll find others will complain, make it bigger. We can't hold on to it and shoot it as we'd like to. Split the difference and try to come up with a too hot, too cold Goldilocks type solution and the results of your compromise efforts will be that both extremes will complain that you've left them out. What to do? Simple. Come up with the XDM 3.8 Compact. The barrel and slide have been shortened so the barrel is 3.8 inches from breech face to muzzle, hence the numeric designation in the name. On the frame, the bottom of the polymer housing has been shortened to the point that a flush magazine will only hold 13 rounds. The frame is big enough, but that still reduces capacity. So Springfield designed a sleeve that will slide over a full-length magazine. This fills the gap between the base plate of the otherwise too long full-capacity magazine and the bottom of the frame of the compact pistol. So voila, you have the Springfield XDM 3.8 with a full-capacity magazine, or if you want, you have the 3.8 compact in its compact guise. Let me make a clarification on that magazine. If you got like a compact pistol, but you got a full-size mag, it's just going to stick out from the bottom. But they make these sleeves that go around the magazine, which mold perfectly with the rest of the gun, so it's as though there's no separation from the magazine to the gun. It's a very nice fit. That's what they're talking about. And they're going to mention it here in this paragraph. You can have it any way you want, just by swapping magazines. The sleeve has a name, the X-Tension, the letter X-Tension, dash extension. If you have existing full-length XD magazines, you can simply get some extensions from from Springfield to slide on, and now your existing magazine works in your 3.8 compact. The XDM 3.8 compact can be had in the usual spring in the Springfield variants, 9mm or 40, all black or bitone, where the stainless slide is left brushed, unblackened finished to contrast with the black polymer frame. The barrel on the 3.8 compact is like the other XDM pistols, stainless steel, with matched dimensions, bore and chamber fitted to the slide. It it is also melanite treated, a surface hardening treatment that produces a very rust-resistant, hard surface, but does not make the part brittle. It also does not, like some hardening processes, risk warpage of the treated part. Your barrel starts straight and remains so even after being made harder. The hardness and smoothness of the barrel make it, along with traditional rifling, perfectly fine to use with lead bullets. Those of you who reload with cast bullets or even cast your own will find the XDM 3.8 Compact is accommodating in their use as all other XDM pistols are. I was not expecting, nor did I experience any problem with the 3.8. It fed, fired, extracted, and ejected with metronome-like efficiency. The longer grip was useful with the hotter loads and gave me more leverage to control recoil. Not that recoil is bad. The 3.8 Compact for being compact is not a featherweight that will hammer and abuse your hand when you shoot it. At 20 o- 27 ounces empty, it bucks about the same as a lightweight commander size 1911 with the advantage in recall of the larger surface of the backstrap distributing the force over a large area of your hand. With the recoil, while the recoil was not a big deal, the accuracy was... I found it easy to stand under the roof of our range and hammer the 100-yard gong. For daily carry, any holster that works with the XDM 9 or 40 series will work with the 3.8 compact. And magazines are magazines, so you'll have a plethora of choices there as well. For maximum concealment and comfort, do what a lot of us have been doing for a long time. Start with the short mags and have the bigger ones for reloads. Stepping out with the 9mm XDM 3.0 compact, You have 14 rounds in it and another 38 rounds and a pair of spare fully capacity magazines. That's 52 rounds before you have to consider a backup knife or waiting for the cavalry to arrive. In a 40 caliber version, that's a total of 44 rounds. 11 plus 1 with two 16-round magazines. So however you slice it, that's a whole lot of ammo. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's an awesome gun. There are so many guns out there. And there are so many awesome guns. But what's awesome to one person won't be awesome to another. This is Matt speaking. Okay? So what you just need to do is go find out which one works best for you. Go to ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer. Give them a call at 254-983-4417. And like I said, don't look up Springfield 3.8 XDM online and go buy it online. Go to ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer. Check it out. They sponsor the show. Without them, we wouldn't be on the air. And see what they've got. They've got a whole bunch of other ones there, too. So put it in your hand and uh, buy it from ANC Fire arms. Give him a call at 254-983-4417. Go on my Facebook page. Go to gunshopcom and go to the Facebook page there. You'll see me holding it. Uh, give me a like on Facebook. Go to the Aaron's YouTube channel and... Like me, please. Please. Take the numbers up. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to take a break. So ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer. Give them a call about the Springfield 3.8 XDM. And I think you're going to like that one's in 40 caliber that they've got there. So we're going to see you on the other side. And when we come back, we're going to have our special guest, Jared Campbell, training service dogs for our veterans. And I've been talking to him uh, just a little bit on the break, and he's got a great concept idea. I think you can enjoy it. So, all you vets out there, if you know anybody who's in need of a service dog, now's the time to listen. Number here is 254 697 6633. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. And to my left, I have a very special guest here. Actually, Trey, my board operator here, introduced me to this gentleman, and this is Jared Campbell. Jared Campbell is a um, vet, and I'm going to get him on real quick right here. And He's going to give us a quick bio of himself to let everybody know what he's doing, and we're going to talk about what he does, and that is training service dogs. Jared, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're on here. I tell you, uh, tell everybody who you are, where you've been in your tur- uh, um, tour of duty, and just a little bit about your academy with the dogs, and then we'll get into the, the questions and stuff. Well,
2: my name is Jared Campbell and uh, I'm an Iraq veteran. I joined back in 2001. Uh, my first duty station was in Korea, Yongsong. Um, after that, I end up rotating back to the States and I end up going to Iraq in 04 and my, it was August 04 and I ended December 15, 2005. It was a 15-month deployment in Iraq. Um, when I came back from Iraq, I went to Fort Lee, Virginia. My primary MOS was supply and then in 2007 the army diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder. Then, towards the end of 2008, I was medically retired because of PTSD. Um, my knowledge with dogs go all the way back to 2008 and then in 2014 my wife and I were looking at me getting a possible service dog for PTSD and for like a lot of vets I was told I had to wait two to five years I had to fill out these large applications and go to other states like Florida and things like that being away from my family for nine months or so to train with the dog well for me doing a 15-month deployment in Iraq just going away for nine months again away from my family to train a dog just didn't seem right.
0: General, I want to. Stop here because you brought up a point that helps to clarify something. So you're saying you were um, analyzed or diagnosed as having PTSD, okay? And you had to wait a certain amount of time before they would allow you to train with a dog.
2: It was about a nine month. It was I can't remember the name of the organization in Florida off the top of my head, but they wanted me to go there if I was accepted and train the dog be with that dog with the dog that I would pair up with but they'd be there for nine months to train this
0: dog. So this is a long process here and so because of that that kinda made you and your wife think a little differently on what you're gonna be doing with your Canine Academy. Why don't you tell us about that?
2: Well right before our kids got out of school this year we started Campbell's Canine Academy and we brought the philosophy of which when I paired up with my service dog Moose. He was about 10 months old. And this was back in 2014. We paired up with him and we did a lot and a, a lot of, I mean, extensive research. And we picked the brains of other trainers, even trainers I had mentored over the years. And we realized, looking at certain laws, that yes, veterans can train their own service dogs, but there are certain requirements in which you have to abide by to train the dog properly. So, With that, it was a very long training process. It took me... Because I did it myself, it took me a year and a half to train moose properly and to fit into public. With that philosophy, I realized that I... I'll be honest with a lot of you veterans. I simplified service dog training through research. It's all about selection. It's all about pairing you with the dog that will fit you, whether it's a puppy or an older dog. We will, Campbell's Canine Academy will help you find that dog. The the best where, the best areas to find dogs, you can look on Craigslist. You can go and see these dogs. Campbell's Canine Academy will give a veteran a free consultation. If you find a dog, we will go with you, evaluate the dog, and determine if that dog will fit you to be your service dog.
0: Okay, we're talking in a realm that people know there's people listening who have no clue as to why does a vet need a service dog what what does the service dog do to assist the vet can you give a couple scenarios or examples of uh, persons with a particular challenge and how a dog trained properly like you said perfect selecting the right dog can help that vet under certain situations you can even use yourself i guess from what you were telling me
2: Right, right. And once a dog is trained properly, like I said, it's about the selection. You, Some dogs have the natural ability. And I guess I was lucky when I paired up with the German Shepherd. The dog already had natural ability. It could scan left and right, can scan my six, watch my back. Um, I eventually had to teach him to scan rooftops because I had a problem with rooftops when I was in Iraq. I, I trained the dog how to watch my six standing in a grocery line by training it that way. I trained the dog to fit me. And there's dogs do have natural calming ability. And if you find the right dog in pair with it That dog can do wonders for a veteran some of the natural calming abilities that a dog can give you is fit with the right handler the dog can rub your leg which that can indicate either one your anxiety is up or two somebody's approaching you a lot of German Shepherds do this with their handlers they will rub the leg of their handler all dogs can have this ability of trained properly dogs can also put their paws on you which is signifying either your anxiety is up and they're trying to calm you or they're telling you something and you got to be also keen to your surroundings as well with the dogs So a well-trained service dog can do wonders. It can bring a veteran back to their family. And I'm speaking from
0: experience. You know what I noticed? um, You hear PTSD and you think that the veteran is just, you know, there's a challenge. But listening to you, what you're you're kind of telling me, which might be new to some other people may not know as well, is everything's normal except for this area of my life. I just feel a little uneasy on my back, my six o'clock position, and I got issues with the rooftops. Everywhere else I'm good to go. Would that be a fair statement?
2: Yeah, that's that's correct. And and what I will do is because I understand PTSD and to help a veteran, I, tr- I will I will train the dog to fit you. What we ask from the vets that will come to us for help is they give us every detail possible of what's bothering you with PTSD so we can train that dog properly. Like I said, simplifying this is making the dog fit you. Um, you know, if you want a dog that will flip on your light switch because you're having a nightmare we can work that around and gives you a dog that do that. For me, I'm the type of veteran, I couldn't see myself with a dog flipping on my light switch or had a nightmare. You know, there are times, you know, I, a long time ago I would sleep with a nine millimeter, and that was when I was still in the military. So if a dog flipped on my light switch, that could be bad, but
0: <laughs> I understand. Everybody's got their own thing, and I, and I respect it. I know, because what happens, what affects one person doesn't affect another. So you have to be specific, but you've got to be able to find out what that specific need is. And so you're getting all this information, you're gleaning all this information from the veteran. And, and from the VA or whatever it is that you get your information from, and then you go to train this dog. You've got, I've got some points here. What's the PAT test? Explain the PAT test. And I think there's a PAT test, but you've got your own PAT test as well. So explain what it is in general and then explain how you do it.
2: Well, the PAT test is the public access test. There are some foundations who do this, the 501c3s, and they all have their own standards. Some of them require 70% or an 80% to pass. Um with me and Campbell's Canine Academy, I believe in a higher standard. I believe you should completely pass my PAT test. Um it's not grade school. I don't believe a seventy or eighty percent passes my PAT. Um if you're a veteran and you decide to go the route to train your own service dog, but you need pointers, please call us. We can what, help you.
0: But what is the what's the pat the PAT test consist of? The
2: pat test consists of several things. It it can test the dog from how it actually starts in a parking lot. We watch the dog how it would maneuver to make sure the dog isn't scared and will lead the person with Disability, or even the veteran with disabilities, out into a moving car and you get hit. So, we want to watch how the dog moves about the parking lot. We want to watch how the dog will unload and load in your vehicle if it's prop and safer for the dog. You don't want to injure your service dog, so you want to make sure you train the dog to unload properly and load properly. Um, We we test a restaurant, we'll take the veteran or anybody with a disability to a restaurant, and we will this may sound a little funny, but we will bait your dog with food on the floor to see how your dog will react. If you, if the dog is trained properly, it should not take the piece of food. If it does, it fails, and then we have to evaluate again and try another pat test in a later date. So we test from everything from elevators to stairs, how the dog maneuvers, you know, how to maneuver through the store, everything. So I don't have a copy of it on me, but it, anything you can basically think of, my pat test covers
0: you know some people have made comments about um, or you see signs that pets aren't allowed service dogs are or service dogs are allowed but pets aren't and um, some people bring in their animals and you kind of think that they're using the service dog scenario to allow their pet to get inside there is there any way to differentiate between somebody who's just sneaking in their pet as compared to a true service dog yes
2: a, a true service dog the, the the proof is in the pudding on how the dogs train if, if a dog isn't trained properly you may be in a restaurant and may jump on the table and eat your food it may defecate on the floor or even soil into a public place. A well-trained service dog is completely potty trained. It should not defecate itself on the floor or soil the floor in a public place. Um, service dogs should not lunge at other dogs or people and vice versa. They should not go up and sniff the rear ends of a human being while in the store. There are certain things that a service dog is trained not to do. If you see a service dog it's focused on its master should be it should be, yeah, be fat and, th- and that's one thing we train at Campbell's canine Academy is that we focus basically we train the dog to focus on you 100% It's most that's the most important training we will give your dog and we teach the dog to look at you it's called focus in German we call it we call it pass off in German which basically signals the dog to watch me and that's probably the most important thing we will teach your dog other than basic obedience to advanced level training all the way to teaching it the service to be your service dog
0: now, Jared, I may be putting you on the spot here, and if I am, let me know. If I was to give you me as an example, I'm just going to make up a scenario with me. Let's say I've had a lot of explosions near me, and I'm jittery, man, when it comes to a, a car backfiring or a firecrack or something like that, and because of that, I'm kind of like, I get depressed if I'm alone. If I tell you all this and you get a service dog, what could a service dog do for me? What would you do to a service dog to help ease that or make it know the dog know I'm coming on with this, this depression or this fear of loud noises?
2: Right. I mean, that. that's a very good question. And um, that's why like, like I'll, I'll keep luring throughout this time is that selection is everything. Pairing is everything. A dog that's completely bonded to its handler will sense the handler when it's anxiety. It, it, it doesn't even have to be a service dog. If you if you find the right dog and it fits you, the dog will know everything about you and watch you. It can feel your anxiety. And like I said, the dog will come up. Most service dogs should have the ability to be a lap dog when you need it to. You know, even if you have a 100-pound service dog, it's not bad for it to lay in your lap when you have anxiety. It's not bad for it to put its paws on you to curb your anxiety or lick you. You know, I train my service dog when I say work. When my anxiety is up, I tell my own dog, work, and he'll come over to me, and he'll lick me, put his paws on me, and that's how I trained him. And how I did that was each and every time I put the vest on him, I used the word work. And then when I started to get anxiety, I would use the same command, work. So I trained mine to service me when I needed the service, but each and every veteran will be different on how we train the dog.
0: So are you going to ask the veteran what he wants the dog to do, or are you going to say, well, if the guy is fearful of loud noises, I'm going to teach this dog every time you hear a loud noise like that you'll watch the vibration of the the master and then you just come up and just rub up on the on the dog right and
2: and a lot of that comes with, with training and over time that's why I like the veterans to give me details so we can train the dog and we'll we'll run the dog through scenarios. Um, we'll make loud noises and things like that to see how the dog responds. Um, and this is where, like I said, selection is everything and so is bonding. But, yeah, we will run the dog through tons and tons of scenarios and train the dog to service the veteran in that way.
0: You know, it's funny. I can't remember the name of the, the writer, the Beach Boys, for Good Vibrations. I think he was reading an article or something about how animals can feel the vibrations. And that's why he wrote that song, Good Vibrations. He's getting it off the girl. So it's amazing how the dog can feel the sense. Sensation or vibrations uh, emanating from the master, and to be able to determine what the, the dog has to do to calm down the master. Now, let's talk about, we don't got much time, let's talk about how you train what it costs to train, how long it takes, who you provide for, things like that. Um,
2: we're, we're actually very affordable. Um, unfortunately, we, we are not a 501c3. Uh, maybe down the road, we will be if we ever get a grant or something, we may change to a 501c3. But I, I I've made my training so affordable for veterans, because I don't believe veterans should pay $10,000 or $18,000 or $20,000 to train a service dog. Um, depending on a veteran's financial background, we will be able to work with the, veteran we usually charge 150 dollars for each six weeks of training because all my cycles are breaking down in six sessions so it takes a year to train your dog so if you're listening and you're a veteran you can do the math if you can't afford 150 we can do $100 for each six weeks of training. We Here at Campbell's K9 Academy, when we help veterans, we don't do it for the money. Um, we do it to give back to you guys who have served.
0: But you got to pay the bills, so we understand that.
2: And, it, and and that's what I'm saying. And for me, you know, I'm trying not to tear up, but I care about every single one of you out there if you're a veteran, and I, and I want to help you. If you give me that opportunity, I will work with you on every way possible. I just ask for my veterans to be be honest with me up front, because I will always shoot you straight.
0: Jared, what's the best way they can make contact with you? you have a website or anything?
2: We actually have a Facebook page right now. We are currently working on an official website. Um, we're waiting for the kids to go back to school so we can have time. I, mean, I got five kids and a in a beautiful wife. I'm gonna give a shout out to her. Yeah, you know, she <laughs> she's been my rock and <laughs> through you know <laughs> through through my darkest hours she's been there. So. That's
0: great. You gotta have a strong woman. That's great. having
2: uh I've had uh, four of Jared's kids so far. At uh, Ben Milam, uh, his oldest, his son just moved on to Ada Henderson or not Ada. It's now Cameron Elementary. That's how old I am. Uh, but they're, they're great kids, and, of course, I've had an interaction with him and his wife. And and the fact that these kids, they're they're great, but, ooh,
0: high energy.
2: They are high energy. I love having them, though.
0: Trey, how much time I got before the break?
2: Uh, this is the break that I can go whenever you're ready.
0: Okay, we're going to cut it off in just a minute. Tell everybody, Jared, once again, how they can get a hold of you. And real quick. Name of the business, how they can get a hold of you, and anything else you want to say.
2: The best way to get a hold of us is through Facebook. Um, Go to fb.me forward slash Campbells, C-A-M. B-E-L-L-S K-9 K-9 And that's Academy That's our Facebook page You can also Call my wife Her number is 979-525-9599 And my cell phone is 254-275-8496 But please keep in mind My cell phone is not working very well So That first number My wife's cell phone Is the best way to get a hold of me right now Until I do get my cell phone fixed Or please hit us up on our page Like us And and of course send us a message Because we have 100% response rate. We can we can reply to you in probably less than an hour.
0: Okay, and also, too, probably about Monday or Tuesday, we'll have this uh, video uh, up on YouTube. You can check it out, listen to it again, take your notes down if you missed anything, or give us a call here at the studio at 254-697-6633. Jared, we're going to have to end it right here. I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your um, information with the public there. Hopefully it all works out, and um, we will talk again soon, I'm sure. Let's take a break, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, everybody, to the Aaron's High Cab Adventure Radio Program. Uh, We've got about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes left to go on the show, and I've got a bunch of things here that I see and I collect that either interest me, bother me, perturb me, whatever, okay? Irk me. It's It's a word I like to use, irk. Um, I'm sure that's an acronym for something. I'll figure it out. But I've got this one article here. And where did I get this from? This is by Sam Huber. Alien gear holsters. I call him Sam Goober. Okay, This guy schmuck. Anyway, let me read to you this thing here. It sounds good, but then it doesn't. That was me talking. Here we go there's a certain amount of debate over whether training should be required at all for a person to be able to legally carry a concealed pistol a related topic that some people debate is just now proficient a person is just how proficient a person has to be after all a person should know how to use the gun in their concealed carry holster okay if they have to use it they should be able to put rounds on target as well not only does that stop a bad guy but it also keeps bystanders safe in fact some states even require qualification shoots in order to get the license It sounds good so far, right? Professionals such as state and local police and federal law enforcement have to qualify every few months with their weapons in order to do their jobs. Talk to something. uh, I'm grinding my teeth on this one. Which is probably true in a lot of cases, but he says, talk to some concealed carry weapons instructors, and they'll tell you a person needs to be in the instructor's range every weekend, taking classes from them. Every possible hour needs to be devoted to training, and every dollar needs to be committed to the instructor's pocket. Otherwise, a person's just being being irresponsible. Well, first of all, you better train. Secondly, I do it because I'm passionate about it, and sure, there's people out there who want the buck. Now, but how proficient, this is where it turns, but how proficient does a person really need to be? You might get the idea from some people that unless a person is basically Annie Oakley, they're a danger to themselves and others. They have no business even target shooting, let alone caring for self-defense. Then again, it's also been said that if a person can screw in a light bulb, they have the requisite skill to be able to carry. How hard is it to point a gun at someone that's right in front of you and pull the trigger? It's very stinking hard. You just need to come to me and I'll show you how to do it. Then it becomes easy. But if you don't get training, I've got people, I've had people, ladies and gentlemen, Do a competition. The target is five feet away. Uh, Five feet away. They missed it. Aiming more than once, multiple times, because the lack of understanding of how to pull a trigger and hold a firearm. It happens. Can I interject real quick, Matt? Interject, buddy. So by this guy's
2: reasoning, what I'm given to understand here is all you need to drive is like three hours of
0: class and you're done. You're done. You don't need training. You don't need to know all the laws. man. Man, you got it. Right. No, stay off the road, dude. It gets a little better. Then again, uh, there we plenty of people who aren't shooting instructors plenty of people who aren't shooting instructors, who aren't off-duty police, and who have never served in an infantry unit, have successfully defended themselves with a firearm despite minimal training and not having to have gone through a qualification shoot. I read stories almost every week, 90% of the time, if not more, the shots are low, or they don't hit their mark, or they, they shot and they got scared off. We're talking, I meant to shoot in a certain spot to stop the threat, and it actually went where I wanted to go, is a rarity. What do we know about most defensive shootings? First, we know that most studies into the matter indicate the typical defensive shooting will be at close range. Okay. It will be over quickly. Okay. And will conclude with only a few shots fired, sometimes, though a long-range shot may be required. We know that while hitting center mass, meaning the chest cavity, doesn't guarantee a stop and that accuracy under stress declines greatly, whatever, No, it does It doesn't have to if you're trained. Since the chest cavity contains the cardiovascular system and is easier to hit than the brainstem that makes it a surer hit than a headshot, this guy's a wannabe. While the heart is about the size of an apple and the lungs are about the size of two butternut squash when fully inflated, the chest cavity where they reside is roughly the size of a watermelon. The brainstem, pretty much the off switch of most things that live on this planet, is about the size of an avocado in us humans. So, you need to be able to hit an area roughly the size of a watermelon at close range. Just how good of a shooter do you have to be to do that? Well, trust me, under stress, you need to practice. Not that a person shouldn't devote time to training, of course they should. A person should definitely be able to put their rounds in the target if they have to. Of course they should as well. But, let's not pretend that one has to be able to shoot a clover leaf at 100 yards with a derringer to be able to defend themselves. This guy has no. Cl- this guy sells holsters. I think that's what he was doing, and so he has limited r- practice on the range. Because if you have practice on the range, you will totally realize and understand how critical and important it is to practice. Because while you shoot and practice, you realize how easy it is for your shot to go off course if you're not focused, trained, uh, calm under stress. That's why we do our round robins. Round robins are a great way to go through all those aspects of shooting a gun at close range. You're under time. You're under accuracy and you're under unfamiliar situations by handling different guns. If you can do that, you've just increased your chances of winning in a street fight or a home fight or whatever type of confrontation it is that you're saving your life with a firearm. But I can't tell you how many stories I've read where the shots go all over the place. They're down in the groin or the legs. is because people are anticipating the shots. They don't have an understanding of triggers and how they work, how to hold the gun. They're freaking out, so on and so forth. Remember Sharon? Sharon's freaking out. We don't want a Sharon. Okay, that's that story. How much time I got, Trey? You got about two minutes. Two minutes. Let me see here. How about about this one I saw this article it says meet a Muslim events to hope to meet a Muslim events hope to dispel misconceptions when Monia Shaikh realized even her friends were scared to ask her about her religion for fear of offending her or sounding uneducated she put an advertisement in the California newspaper questions and answers about Muslim the ad offers ideas and questions are women oppressed in Islam so on and so forth I don't got much time so here's my attitude towards this I don't want to go meet one I should be able to hear you broadcasting from the hilltops and the rooftops that you were opposed as a Muslim in the American, the United States of America, as an American citizen, you were opposed to people doing what they're doing in the name of Islam, Islamic State, or whatever. I could care less your religion. I could care less who you are, what color you are. You're an American, okay? So if you're an American, I should hear you broadcast. I shouldn't have to go seek you out and find out what you're all about. You should be saying, hey, that's not the way you do it here if you want to do that kind of stuff go back home where you came from that's my attitude if you like it great if you don't i really don't care go get your own radio show alright ladies and gentlemen we got a lot going on go to aronsgunshop.com, go to the facebook page go to the youtube channel become a subscriber uh... check out the products page check out the uh... testimonials we got the seminar on the 26th, the ladies only seminar and yeah, how much time i got About twenty minutes. seconds okay with twenty seconds i'm gonna tell you this without you There's no need to be on the air. Without supporters, I couldn't be on the air. Without my sponsors, I can't do it. So support the sponsors, support the show. Keep your powder dry and God bless.